Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. God wants to reach all nations with the gospel. Jesus has timelessly commissioned his church to go and make disciples. Wonderful to be here today, such a privilege and a pleasure to be with you all. Uh, now, I wonder if you can just think of an important first moment or encounter that you've had in your life. Uh, maybe it was someone that you met for the first time that went on to be a really important person. Well, I think these first moments are golden. They're the golden moments in life. And I think heaven loves them. But I think heaven particularly loves it when people encounter Jesus for the first time. That moment when sort of hearts are warmed and that revelation comes, like, oh, Jesus. I love them. I wonder if you can think back to your first encounter with Jesus. Maybe you remember it really well, maybe you were too young to remember, or maybe you're here and you'd say, actually, I don't think I ever have encountered Jesus before. Well, if that is you, I'm so delighted that you're here, and I'm looking forward to introducing you to him today. Because this first moment of encounter is so important. I love reading about the, the first moments of the disciples when they first encounter Jesus. When Jesus meets Peter and Andrew fishing and tells them to come and follow him, it says, at once they left their nets and followed him. And then straight after this moment, Jesus sees James and his brother John who are also fishing. And it says, Jesus called them and immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. I'm just so intrigued by this moment. Like what was going on for these disciples in this moment to just drop everything and follow him? I, I kind of imagined that they were in a trance for their whole lives and then suddenly Jesus speaks their names and they just wake up. You know, we don't know what was going on in the hearts of, of these disciples, but we do know that this first encounter with Jesus went on to change their lives. And yet we know that this wasn't the end of their encounters with Jesus. As we see from the disciples' lives, they invested huge amounts of time. In fact, their whole lives revolved around spending time with Jesus. And this didn't end after Jesus' death. In Matthew 28, as we saw last week, after Jesus' resurrection, the disciples going out to meet Jesus. And it says, then the 11 disciples went to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, 
they worshipped him. Here, another moment of encounter. And then the encounters don't end there. We see later in the book of Acts, the disciples again together encountering Jesus on the day of Pentecost. They have many, many more beautiful encounters with Jesus. But like any relationship, as we heard last week, we can't rely on that first moment of encounter to sustain us in our relationships. The disciples couldn't rely on that first moment of encounter to sustain them in their relationship with Jesus, and we can't do that either. So today I want to share about how, as radical disciples, we are called to continually encounter Jesus. And I want to begin with this. Firstly, continually encountering Jesus is our privilege. And when I was seven, we moved house, and I moved from a house where I shared a room with my sister to having a room of my own. And it was fabulous, because it was the attic room. And it had a skylight. And I, as a natural dreamer, this was just heaven. This was my dreaming place. And I would spend hours just lying on my bed, staring at the sky, particularly at night, and I'd listen to um, Holst's classical piece, Jupiter, because I was very cultured. And, um, you know, I had a telescope. I wanted to be an astronaut. It's in this time of my life that I've, I've just loved the stars, and I've always loved the stars since. Now, as I'm sure you'll all know, we live in the Milky Way galaxy, where all the, the planets that we learned about in school belong. But maybe you didn't know that there are 200 billion other galaxies. And within those 200 billion galaxies, there are thought to be 200 billion trillion stars. Now, here's the amazing thing. We get to know the God who made them. This is amazing, isn't it? Now, you know, being ingrained in this sort of celebrity culture, we, we, we want to be in connection with important people, don't we? You know, the, the good old name drop. You know, I, I, oh, I met that famous person the other day, or yeah, my sister knows the husband of this royal or something like that. Um, we, we want to be in connection with famous people. Um, my best name drop, um, my sister is really good friends with someone from the Terry family. Okay, you don't know who I'm talking about yet, that's fine. Let me help you out. Think um, Christmas stocking, the color orange, and chocolate. Terry's chocolate orange. It's a good name drop, isn't it? Um, but forget knowing Terry, um, or someone else famous, or someone royal, or the president of a country. We get to know the God who created 200 billion galaxies and 200 billion trillion stars. Isn't that just amazing? And we don't just, we don't just know him through some distant connection or acquaintance, we get to know him intimately. The more I think about this, the more my mind is blown. It's amazing. Now, how can we know this? How can we know this creator God? Well, through Jesus. In John 15, 15, Jesus shares with the disciples, and he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. There it is. <laughs> everything that Jesus learned from the Father 
has been made known to us. We can know the secrets of heaven. This awesome creator God can be knowable and not just knowable as in a far off connection, but knowable as in friends. Just take a moment to let that sink in again. This, you may have heard this before, but have you really thought again recently, we get to be friends with God. It's the biggest privilege of life. (laughs) And it's a privilege that we get to enjoy every moment of every day. Why? Because we have the precious Holy Spirit. Um, In the Gospel of John, we read about how Jesus is trying to gently break it into the disciples that he's no longer gonna be with them soon on earth. And you can just sense in this moment, the disciples are a little bit confused. You can sense the unease and he comforts them. And he says this, I will ask the Father and he'll give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither knows, sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have access to his presence at every single moment of every single day. And this is just another astounding truth, isn't it? God lives in us. I love how Jesus goes on to say a few verses later, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. We can know God intimately because he chooses to make his home in us. He could have said, oh, I'll move in next door to you. And then we can see each other all the time and we can have movie nights and it's gonna be so fun. But I actually just get to go and, you know, go home at night and get a bit of space from you. But no, God loves us so much. He delights in us so much that he doesn't want any space from us. He came to live inside of us where he cannot escape us. (laughs) Did you know that, that God doesn't want any space from you? He doesn't want any space from you. He doesn't wanna live down the road or next door. He chooses to live in you. Out of choice, I can't get over it. This is the most intimate expression of love and friendship. Let's never forget this privilege that the holy, awesome creator God chooses to live in us. I get the feeling it likes us a lot. (laughs) And every moment of every day, we get to continually encounter him and enjoy being with him. This is what life is about. This is what life is about. Paul, a radical disciple of Jesus, who had truly grasped this, that nothing compares, he wrote this, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Another translation puts it like this. I once thought these things were valuable. These things, insert whatever you want to put into that. These things, or anything other than Jesus (laughs) that you might find important. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
For his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I'm learning, and particularly this year, I'm learning that nothing, nothing in this whole earth can satisfy like Jesus. No achievement, no promotion, no amount of money, no home, no earthly relationship, nothing on earth will satisfy like Jesus. At Christmas, I was listening to this beautiful old song by Matt Redman called Intimacy. And as I listened to it, I just found myself in tears. And the first verse says this, one thing my heart is set upon, one thing that I would ask, to know you, Lord, as close as one could hope to on this earth. What a great prayer for life. What a great ambition. This is the goal, this is the prize, this is radical discipleship, to know God as close as one could hope to on this earth. So how can we enjoy this way of living? Well, we need to position ourselves to continually encounter Jesus. Um, During this Christmas just gone, I was staying with my parents and I woke up one night at 3 3 a.m. in the middle of the night and I would normally sort of lie in bed trying to get to sleep and it didn't work. So I I went downstairs, went into my dad's study and I'm so glad I did because through my bleary eyes, I saw this book on the shelf, The Discipline of Intimacy and something in me just went, oh, that sounds like a good book to read at 3 a.m. So I pulled it off the shelf and I'm, I'm just so pleased I did because this book has really changed me actually. <laughs> now this book was written uh, by uh, a man called Charlie Cleverly. He was the former rector of uh, St. Aldite's Church in Oxford and he just has a real burden for the church knowing and walking with God. Now As inferred by the title of this book, The Discipline of Intimacy, we can enjoy intimacy with God, but it takes discipline. (laughs) And like any relationship, we need to invest in it for the relationship to grow and strengthen. It takes discipline and it takes time. Nicky Gumbel, he says this, do you try to fit Jesus into your schedule or do you work your schedule around Jesus? Challenging. So um, how are you doing with carving out time each day to meet with God? Since reading this book, I've just been just really stirred and excited about the possibilities of deepening my friendship and my intimacy with God. And, you know, one of the biggest ways I've done this over the last couple of years is just getting each day in the Word of God, starting my mornings in the Word of God. Now, I know for many of you, reading the Bible daily is going to be a really ingrained habit. Um, And some of you might have been inspired by Josh's message at the start of the year to get back into the Word, but I know there may be some of you here, maybe many, who are still struggling with this kind of consistent daily getting yourself in the Word of God, and I completely identify with this. Um, For many years, I also struggled to just read the word daily. I knew, I knew it was good for me and I wanted to do it, but I just, I would find that I would sort of binge it. I would sort of do a week of binge and then neglect it for four weeks, you know, that kind of pattern. 
And I've only recently realized why, why this was. I, I, I naturally work in bursts. Um, I like to kind of just put a lot of time and energy into something in a big burst. Um, I work quite well under pressure and a deadline. Um, and I, I just struggle with the sort of slow, steady, consistent approach to some things in life. Exercise the same, you know? Um, but the thing that I've realized, and what I'm realizing <laughs> and understanding is that this slow, steady, consistent approach to life and to some things in life is necessary and good. It's like food. It's, it's no good eating one meal a week and expecting to be okay. Like food, we need that regular, daily, multiple times a day of feeding. And it's the same with discipleship. And it's especially true for radical discipleship. And so I'm just so grateful for the many resources available to help people like me. Over the last couple of years, I've loved um, Nikki Gumbel's Bible in a Year app, and I know many people use it. I just love that I don't have to start the day overloaded already thinking about what to read. It's there for me. I just get to sink in, in bed with a cup of tea. I love it. It's become one of my favorite times of day. And I can honestly say that just reading the Word of God daily has just been life. I've changed and grown in so many ways. Some have been really subtle changes and some have just been huge breakthrough moments. But none of those things would have happened if I weren't spending daily time in the Word of God. But make sure that we're not reading the Word of God to tick off our to-dos and crack on with the rest of our day. You know, this time in the Word is designed to help you meet with your Creator, God, to enjoy intimacy with Him. So make sure when you're getting to the Word, just take a moment just to still yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you just simmer down those busy thoughts and that busy brain and just, Holy Spirit, speak to me. And then when you read something that captures you for that day, write it down, meditate on it, chew on it, reflect on it, and use that as a launch pad into your prayer and your worship time. Oh, worship. I love worship. It's one of my greatest pathways to encountering God. Um, I shared a few months ago about how Chris and I have been trying to get extended times of worship on Sabbath. We've just loved it. And um, a, an album for you that's just wonderful um, that we're really enjoying encountering God to is by Jeremy Riddle called Live in the Prayer Room. Write it down. Live in the Prayer Room. It's the most... God-honoring, Jesus-focused album, and it just makes me want to fall flat on my face every time. Um, now, when we ask Alexa to play, we say, Alexa, can you play Live in the Prayer Room by Jeremy, Jeremy Riddle? She's like, playing Live in the Prayer Room by Jeremy Riddle. Um, and I'm like, that, 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 Alexa, that's not the name. But then we think about it and we go, wow, what a great name for an album. Live in the Prayer Room. That's where I want to be, living in the, the metaphorical prayer room, <laughs> which leads me on to my next point. We don't need to stop encountering Jesus after our morning devotions. I've been really inspired by Charlie Cleverly, who shares, and challenged actually, um, who shares how he felt to call three times a day, to pray three times a day. This is what he says, amid the press and the stress of busy professional family life, we felt in our church in Oxford that a rhythm of morning, noon, and night prayer is attainable 
even necessary again today. It's an opportunity to bring all we are and do under God's sovereign purposes and will help us to be transformed into Christ-likeness as a church. I don't know about you, but I can have a wonderful time with God in the morning and then by lunchtime, I am frazzled. <laughs> Life's busy. All the teachers will know a lot can happen in the morning. Um, so I love what Charlie suggests. He says at noon, it's good to pause again. Praying the Lord's Prayer and expanding each phrase with meditative prayer and intercession can become a midday habit. If it does, it will help you to walk with God and change your life. Now, when I read this at Christmas, I thought, this is a bold claim. I'm going to try it. Um, so most lunchtimes in January, I've been trying this, and it has become another favorite time of day. Um, so before January, my lunchtimes would be kind of me shoving a tuna pitta in my mouth whilst marking some books and catching up with all the admin. Um, but now, I'm, I'm really blessed. I have a, there's a lovely lake a few minutes walk from my school. And so now I put all that down, and I go out and I spend some time with God walking around the lake and I pray the Lord's Prayer. But I don't pray it for just 30 seconds. I take each phrase of the Lord's Prayer at a time and expand it. And sometimes, some days I'll spend longer on one phrase than another. So for example, my father, and I just thank him that he's my good father. I can take off my teacher hat for a moment and just be his child. Thank you, I come to you as, as your child right now. My father in heaven. Oh, if you're having a chaotic morning, just spend a moment to think about heaven. It's a really good thing to do. It just lifts your eyes and brightens your perspective on the world. My Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then I just start declaring the names of Jesus. Thank you that you're my peace today. You're my righteousness. You're my rock. You're my strength when I'm tired. You're my strong tower. You know, all of these things, we just get to declare. I love it. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And I start praying and declaring over situations in my life or my classroom or my colleagues, or my friends or family where, I, where we need breakthrough. Then give us today our daily bread. I pray for my needs. I pray for Chris's needs. I pray for the needs of those around me. Forgive us our sins. Sorry, God, for I've missed you this morning, for I got frustrated with that child. As I forgive those who sin against me, all the teachers will know there is plenty of opportunities in one morning to exercise forgiveness. Forgive those who sin against me and lead us not into temptation. What a great prayer to pray every day. I pray over my marriage. I pray over the marriages in Kingsgate, but also lead me not into temptation to worry or to fear. Deliver us from evil. I pray protection. I lift up a banner over my friends and family. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. I tell you what, 15 minutes of doing that, I'm back in the game. I'm ready for life. Uh, it's good. And it's this continually throughout the day, encountering God. It's our joy and it's our privilege. And then you don't have to stop at lunchtime prayer either. Um, Charlie suggests doing a night prayer. Now, I have to be honest, I'm still experimenting with this one. This is essentially a, day, a way to kind of review the day with God. Um, and he expands on various ways that, he, that we can do this, but he suggests asking two questions. Where did I meet God today? And where did I miss God? Where did I meet God? And where did I miss God? And then using that as a launch pad into prayer. Um, 
And I know that most of us will consciously be reviewing the day in our minds anyway. For me, that's when I'm coming home. So why not do that with God? But the goal is not to have an amazing prayer life. The goal is not to say, look at me, aren't I holy? The goal is to know Jesus and to continually encounter him. And remember, he's the one that chose to come and live inside of us. He made the first move and we just get to respond. And we know that our whole lives are worship. We can meet with God wherever, whenever. But I've found that just setting aside more regular, intentional times throughout the day has just deepened my awareness of his presence and is just deepening my friendship and my intimacy with him. Um, coming back to my times at the lake, um, one of the biggest joys of my prayer walks around the lake are when I see this other man praying to. He doesn't know that I know that he prays. Um, but I spotted early on in January a man going for it around the lake when he thought no one was watching. And I'd see him a few times when I was out. Um, so I just want to give you some top tips on how to spot a fellow prayer walker. Okay, number one, it looks like they're on a route march. You know, they are pacing, they're going for it. Okay, step number two, the hands come out, often accompanied by pointing. And then step number three, this is when you can be pretty sure that they're praying, the left hand on the heart, right arm punches the air. Um, step four, you actually hear them praying. Now, this man had fulfilled all of the first three criteria, but I hadn't actually heard him pray. And I did want to be sure, because if he were pacing and pointing and punching there and he weren't praying, I should probably be a bit worried. So I thought, okay, how am I gonna find out whether he actually is praying? Well, I need to just get close to him so I can hear. So I did this, he was walking this way, I was walking this way, and I just kind of, you know, just did a little. Um, but wisely, he reined it in as I walked past. This is a good thing to do when you're prayer walking. Okay, rein it in when people are around. But this did mean that I had no way of, of knowing. So, so I thought, well, how am I gonna know? I was like, well, the only option is to hide. Um, so he was doing another lap. I thought, right, okay. He's coming this way, I'm coming this way, and there's a bush. And so I think if I time this well, I can, you know, get behind the bush so when he comes past, he won't know. Spy goggles come out, camouflage, you know. Um, and he comes past, and what do I hear him pray? Every knee will bow, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it was, it was wonderful. All the while, while praying the Lord's Prayer myself, you know, obviously. Um, now, in this moment, I just had this wonderful reminder that I am joining with millions around the world praying. That when I pray, yes, I'm praying one-to-one -one with my Father, but also my prayers are being joined with millions of other people around the world praying at the same time. And I love that, you know, we're worshiping earlier to day and night, night and day, let incense arise. I just imagine that my prayer, joining with millions of others' prayers to create this beautiful incense of praise and worship. It's great to be reminded of this, that we're joined with others, but it's even greater to experience the reality of it, the coming together as we are to encounter Jesus. 
And when I thought about myself and this man praying, I got really excited. I did think about Kingsgate, about, oh, what if this multiplied? What if all of us here individually took steps to commit to deepening our friendship with Jesus? And then we come together. Oh, what an explosive combination. Remember in Matthew 28, the 11 disciples, they came together to encounter Jesus. And then a few weeks later, the disciples, again on the day of Pentecost, have another amazing encounter together. There's something special about togetherness. And when we come together, we get to be encouraged by other people in worship. I love sometimes just doing a sneaky peek in worship, just and looking around and just seeing, because it's so encouraging, because I think, oh, I know what you're going through, and I know what you're going through, and I know what you're going through, and there you are with your hands raised. It's so encouraging. And we get to be that encouragement to other people as well. But more than that, there is a power when we come together because when individually we're deepening our friendship with Jesus, it's like we're candles. But then when we come together, it's like we're a bonfire and it's exciting. Now, I know that here at Kingsgate, we know the power of gathered church. We're here today. But COVID has done some reshaping to priorities. Let's not let that reshaping reduce the power of gathering together. Jesus loves you individually and he loves us. He loves this church so much. So I just want to encourage you, come weekly. If you are within driving distance of one of our campuses, which clearly you are because you're here, and if you're able and well enough to come each week, come each week. Don't try and squeeze it into your schedule. Make it front and centre and priority. Because he loves this church and he's really ready to meet with us as one. So I just want to bring this into land by reading one of Jesus' prayers to the Father. I'd just like to invite the worship team to come up. Jesus says, I pray that they will all be one, that's us, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. What would happen if we as individuals committed to going deeper in our friendship and intimacy with the Lord and then came together each week and then got sent out in our hundreds and our thousands. Just imagine what God could do through that. I'm so excited about the next three days of prayer and fasting. This is just a perfect chance to gear up to meet with God. And why don't you just use this time, this next three days of prayer and fasting to ask God just to do a deeper work in your heart. Ask Him to ignite a passion to know Him, to enjoy friendship and intimacy with Him. Ask Him for wisdom if you need to reschedule or reshape any of your priorities. And pray that as we come together bringing our individual flames, the fire of God will fall and we'd see many, 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 many people coming to know that Jesus Christ is Lord as this church is set on fire. Wherever we are, we're just gonna respond now. So would you just, if you're able, stand with me. I'm 
we're going to sing a song called Holy Grounds and it talks about just wanting always to be in His presence, but also that there's always more to know and to love about Him. But before we do this, we're just gonna ask God to open up our hearts to the wonder and the joy of knowing Him. For some of you, you might be here and you would say, I've never encountered Jesus. Well, after this song, we're gonna give you a moment to do that, but use this next song as a start of your response. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And He's really excited to begin a relationship with you. (laughs) Some of you, just life's got really busy. And He understands but he doesn't want busyness to get in the way of your friendship with him. Why don't you, if that is you, if life's just got really busy, why don't you just take a moment? You might wanna, I don't know, put a hand on your heart, hold out your hands. It's a way of just responding. Just say, sorry, God, sorry for where I've allowed the busyness of life to just take away the joy of knowing you intimately. Just rededicate yourself to Him and for all of us. Jesus, we thank You that we get to know You. Thank You that we get to be Your friend. Thank You that You love keeping company with us. Thank You that You don't want any space from us. Today, God, we offer up our whole lives, every single part of us, our hopes, our dreams, our struggles, our ambition, our worries, our relationships, our family. We bring it, we offer it all up to You. We offer our whole lives up to You again. May we know you as close as one could hope to on this earth. May people at Kingsgate be people who know God as close as one could hope to on this earth. May we be marked by friendship with you. In Jesus' name, let's continue responding as we sing.